Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I'm very excited this week to have with me from Sonoma, Lisa Matson from Jordan Winery. Yes, I have my wines ready to go, Lisa. <laughs> she is the director of marketing and communications for Jordan Winery. I have had the ultimate pleasure of not only visiting the winery, but actually getting to stay at the winery for a few nights. So uh, really... Uh, feeling all the glory of touring and tasting all over the property, but actually sleeping amongst the barrels. I could see them out my window. So Lisa, you are have been named marketer of the year, I believe. I, I saw a title there. Um, yeah, North Bay Business Journal's uh, Wine Industry Awards last year. Yep. And the year before, I believe it was, that Jordan actually got the Wine Enthusiast Winery of the Year. American Winery of the Year, yes. And I'm sure you had a little bit to do with that. <laughs> and so you have this amazing job with a winery that so many people are in love with, specializing in Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon, not 5,000 different varietals but two legendary grapes that grow well in Sonoma. Alexander Valley is actually more specific about where you are. Tell me how you came to be at Jordan Winery and have this high-powered, amazing job. Well, I've worked in the wine business 20 years. I don't know how to do anything else, but I'm also a very unlikely type of person you'd expect to get into wine. I grew up in a small town in Southeast Kansas, about a population of 3,000. Um, my first wine I drank was Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill in high school, and that I was drinking beer um, long before that, sadly. Well, <laughs> we have a lot of Light, whatever we could sneak from somebody's grandpa out of their truck. So um, grew up in a very small farming community and went to school in Florida um, because I had a bad winter in Kansas and decided I wanted to broaden my horizons, um, get some sun, move to Miami, and got into wine there through Florida International University. So they have a wonderful wine program, Southern Wine and Spirits is based there. And I always knew that I wanted to work in communications and marketing in the wine or in general. I just didn't know what industry. So I had one of those very fortunate that early in my career, I knew, okay, so let's get a degree in something I'm good at. And then maybe I'll find an industry that I could be passionate about. And I didn't know what that industry would be, but I knew if I did marketing and PR for like a tech company or um, a dent dentistry, you know, corporation or construction, I'd probably not be that excited about it. But when I found wine and figured, oh, well, I can do something I'm good at with an industry that's really fun and brings people pleasure and the hospitality. I was always a waitress and a bartender. So it just kind of came naturally. So one job led to another from working for the Biltmore Hotel, their seller club, to working for a wine magazine, to working for a wine distributor, to um, then making the plunge, moving to California and starting to work in um, events and uh, marketing, and then went to an importer 
um, about, oh gosh, it's 2005. It's crazy. It's been more than 10 years. Um, I went to a wine importer and then uh, in Napa Valley and worked on French wines and uh, some great California properties. And then the opportunity came up at Jordan um, about six years ago. John Jordan took over from his mom and dad in 2005. And he was really looking to take Jordan and figure out a way to continue to um, tell our story um, about what we do, but do it in a more vivid and unfiltered way using new media. Um, he really just wanted to make sure that he's not just talking to his existing customers, but he was showing everybody out there what's really exciting and what's happening at Jordan and what we do. And so I was really excited about the opportunity to come and work at Jordan and you know, a family-owned estate, um, only focusing on the two lines, a focus on culinary hospitality, food and wine pairing, as well as overnight accommodations that side of hospitality. So I've been here now for six and a half years. And when I got here, it was just like, okay, let's just try to build everything. Let's create a blog. Let's shoot video. Let's improve our photography. So I just kind of went around like a reporter at first and just interview everybody, find out the stories like I would in the old days working for a magazine or a newspaper, and then start to build like our our storytelling platforms of how we're going to talk about what we do here and share it with people. So it's been, it's been really fun and it's crazy that it's already been six years. <laughs> no. And uh, if folks go to your Facebook page or any of your website, I, you guys do these, you said video, you do these really funny uh, themed videos sometimes to, uh, you know, a song that's really popular at the time. I think the latest one was around the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, you did it like a sports report. So yeah. you're definitely um, using different kinds of medium, but not in the traditional serious uh, wine video. Really kind of, I love the use of humor because as you know, I, you know that's yeah. what about. So I would encourage people to go, can they go to any one place and see all the different videos that you've made? You can go to jordanwinery.com and click on Beyond the Bottle and you'll see our video theater. So that has our top videos or just to go to YouTube. Um, Jordan Vineyard is our handle on YouTube, but you can also get to that from our website or from social media and you'll see our channel has all the latest videos. And yeah, we try to do one to two funny videos a year um, and then also keeping with the traditional wine videos, but trying to do those, you know, punchier, like our, our new release videos we just put out for the 2014 chart. Chardonnay and the 2012 Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, they're, they're, it's got a hip song, it's punchy, it's our winemaker hanging out with his assistants and kind of talking about the wines, you know, trying to not make it too, too stuffy. Well, since you brought it up, I think that, and it's, uh, I don't know, on the East Coast here, we're, we're like 85 degrees right today, which I'm not going to complain about because we've been waiting for this for oh, a long time. <laughs> we had snow in April, so we're not going to complain about 85 degrees, but um, I'm going to take a sip of my Chardonnay. So that is exactly what I have right here is the 2014 vintage of the Jordan Chardonnay. And of course, every year has its own personality, its own qualities. So tell me a little bit about what you love about the 2014 Chardonnay. Well, 2014 as a, as a vintage is just a real pure, beautiful vintage for Chardonnay. One of the challenges that Chardonnay has is that it's a very delicate, it has very delicate skins. And so you really want to watch out for sunburn. It needs to grow somewhere that doesn't get too hot. And um, that's why it does so well in Burgundy. And um, this is one of the years where there were no heat spikes at all in the Russian River Valley. So the wine just has this really purity of the fruit flavors, really nice stone fruit. 
um, apples, pears, um, and it's just a, we like to call it just a very seamless style. You know, we, we does have French oak, but we try not, we try to be very judicious with that. So it's not a buttery oaky style. It's more of a, you know, smooth with a little cream on the palate, just enough and makes you want to take another sip when you get done and, or take another bite of food. And we really try to make a Chardonnay that just pairs well with a lot of different foods. I mean, there are people out there that'll go like, I can pair this like a Sancerre, or, you know, go more Sauvignon Blanc, put it with sushi because it isn't one of those heavy handed Chardonnays, but it's can work with a pasta doing more of a contrast where you're getting the, you know, the acidity and the crispness with that creaminess of the dish. Yeah, I love the acidity in this uh, because it, it's ni- it's nicely balanced with all the fruit and, and that nice kiss of oak. <laughs> it's really wonderful. Russian River Valley, Appalachian, the Chardonnay, and that's known for having that cooler climate that the Burgundian varietals like Chardonnay and, and Pinot like the Russian River Valley. So love that and do you think that there are people people just love the jordan chardonnay i mean there there's people that are fanatical about this stuff i mean if you tried to change it you probably have lots of phone calls coming in of anger yeah. yeah it's true yeah we haven't we the only change to the style was more in the early 2000s where when we moved away from having a little more oak and a little more of that buttery flavor. And we, even before the sommeliers were getting into the crisper style, that was the direction Rob Davis, our winemaker, he's been here since 1976, the first vintage. He wanted to go that direction and that's what everybody wanted. And so we did it and we're, and it was, you know, gradual, but it, you know, since then it's really had this, just like our Cabernet, very consistent quality and style that people really, really love. I love it. Uh, Food friendly. And to me, wine is part of the recipe of your meal. So if you love, you know, pairing your wines with food, this is the the ultimate food Chardonnay. And were you one of the, um, if you visit the winery, and I totally encourage people to come out and visit you because it's so much fun out there. Uh, We did the estate tour where you went around the different areas of the vineyard and uh, you had different pairings, food pairings with the wines at different vantage points around the ranch, around the property, because it's quite large. Were you one of the people that came up with the idea for that? How did you guys come up with that? Yeah, it was actually um, John, myself, our operations director, but in the end, it was like a team effort, like most everything is at Jordan. We have about seven, eight people working on the project once we decided we wanted to do it. So it was born from... um, actually a vacation in Hawaii that I was on and John with John and our operations director and my husband and my husband and I, we, John goes to the, John Jordan goes to the big Island with his family every year for Christmas. It's something that Jordans have done since he was little. And my husband and I went on a little, you know, day trip, everything. When you're on the big Island, it's all about activities. You can go zip lining, you can go to do this, do that. So we went on a little tour of a sugarcane um, plantation that used to be a plantation, but you could go and like, like river kayak through these old aqueducts. It was bizarre. But, um, I mean, we paid like a hundred and some bucks a person and all we got was a bag of macadamia nuts and a can of pineapple juice. And we were like, this is actually pretty cool. So we got back and I just said to John, I'm like, no, this is what we just did. This is what we paid for it. I was like, and we thought this is just a little too expensive, but I'm like, you know, nobody's really doing these really cool outdoor excursions except for Longmeadow Ranch in, in wine country. And so we just got on the idea and then it came from there. So I just planted a seed and I was thinking, oh, well, you know, we'll, it'll be kind of rustic and we'll have a picnic table here and there 
And then John and Tim, the um, operations director, got on it. And the next thing you know, we have this amazing pavilion building with glass walls where everybody sits on the top of the vista and has the final pairing for the two vintages of Cabernet. So and cool. then, you know, they found this custom Mercedes Sprinter and tricked it out. So it's beautiful. So people completely glam um, ride around the ranch. Um, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe they'll do like a pin gouser, which I know is not very Jordan, but like an old military vehicle. But, um, so they certainly, once we got the idea of bringing it together, I mean, it's just that consumers uh, more and more are very interested in getting, you know, their hands dirty, if you will, and really being out there in nature and understanding vineyards and farms and how they operate, where your food comes from. And so we just wanted to be a part of making sure we're always providing that type of um, really um, fun and enlightening and interesting culinary experience for people when they come to wine country, because that's Jordan has always been at the forefront of that. So the estate tour is just the latest. And then from the, the estate tour was our newest experience a couple years ago. We've added a few more culinary dinner parties on the ranch um, at different times of the year. And then this year we've added our newest experience is um, vineyard hikes. Oh, three hour excursions that culminate with food and wine pairing, but you get to start at the Vista um, with 360 degree views. And then you hike down through hills and valleys all the way back to the winery. You pass through vineyards, olive orchards, meadows, um, around the lakes. It's just a really cool experience. We're doing our first one on April 30th. Neat. Everybody gets a camelback of wine, I'm sure, <laughs> for hydration. Uh-oh. She's getting pulled into work, people. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Our winemaker. I know. Also, we got to visit. You have a pretty extensive gardens that your chef uses in his recipes and cooking. And that, to me, was very impressive. And I have to say, of the whole Sonoma experience of the region as a whole, it did seem there was like there was so much more focus on food pairings and the gardens and, and being more involved in that rather than the tasting room experience. Is that... Yeah, that? I would I would certainly say so. And there are there are some people that say that, you know, Napa's restaurants would, would go out of business if it wasn't for Sonoma because we really are this amazing place where everything grows, so many gardens here, so many farms here that are supplying not just our wineries, our restaurants, our market, um, but also restaurants in Napa Valley. Right. So wineries in Sonoma being as agricultural as we are. I mean, certainly tourism is very important to Sonoma County, but I would say that our wine tourism is a little more rural, a little more rustic, a little more farm driven um, mm -hmm. than what you get in Napa Valley. And we're also much bigger and, and very diverse, but we are, you know, we are seeing that more and more that the Sonoma wineries are really embracing that opportunity to um, do more food experiences. I mean, Jordan has always been focused that way. And so is Chalk Hill, um, not too far from us, but you're seeing more and more Rodney Strong is now doing uh, their patio pairings, um, May through November, I think, on the weekends, and they have a full-time chef now, and Paul Hobbs is doing pairing, food and wine pairings, and McGrosty, the McGrosty Estate House does them on weekends now. Gary Farrell has elevated its food program and added more offerings. Lambert Bridge just added some food offerings. So I just think that there are more people here that work at the wineries that are so passionate about food and wine together that they know that's what consumers want. And being close to San Francisco and the type of foodie type of um, traveler that we get here is just more wine 
wineries are being willing to make that investment and offer those really fun, uh, interesting experiences for guests. I love that. Well, in a minute, we're going to talk a little bit about you. In addition to uh, being the director of marketing and communications at Jordan, you also are a published author. So in a minute, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, your book, and it very expertly combines uh, wine into the plot of your life. And so I want to hear about that. But I, we can't not talk about the Jordan Cabernet Sauvignon, the 2012 vintage that you mentioned. This is the Alexander Valley fruit there in Sonoma. And so tell me a little bit about the 2012 vintage and folks go out and uh, grab this at their local store or have it at a restaurant. What do you think is really the hallmark of this vintage? Well, 2012 was really a dream vintage for Rob, our winemaker. Um, after the 2011, which he said was one of the most challenging vintages in his career, you know, it was very cool. We had a lot of rain. We had a, just a lot of challenges. It's like the vines like came back and was like, we're sorry. <laughs> Mother Nature was like, we're sorry about 2011. Um, and Rob made it a beautiful wine in 2011. It was very Bordelais in style. Um, but he was so excited with 2012 because it was just, it was an easy growing season. The weather was beautiful. The vines came back with force. There was so much fruit that he was very nervous about the balance and making sure that we have that beautiful quality and not being, you know, too much fruit and we'd lose some of our concentration of the characters and the flavors. But the growers were hesitant to want to, you know, take too much fruit off the vine because of the amount of money that was lost in 2011 because of small harvest. And 2012, it just, he just kept tasting and tasting because, wow, the flavors are still there, the concentration's still there. And so it's just a bit, it's the biggest, most bountiful vintage we've ever had. And the wine is just, it's seamless. It's silky. I mean, when people taste it, they say, I can't believe this is a 2012. You let it age about a year longer than most other producers because they released their 2012s about a year ago. We, we give two full years in the bottle before we release the Cabernet. And so I think this wine is already showing very pretty, the nose and everything. But you can tell that it's got a long life ahead of it, but it's really, really smooth right now, I think. It really is. Surprisingly. Wow. It's very elegant. I would say very expressive. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Uh, so as, as I'm sipping on that, um, I mentioned that you are a published author. So you have a book called The X's in My Glass. And so for the folks that are out there um, who love wine and, and like to read too, because that seems to be a big thing, especially for the, for women, the women I know, right? Sure. It's that end of day glass of wine or champagne, if you will, because I know we both love bubbly and a book just relaxing and reading. So tell me, what can people expect in your book and what motivated you to want to write about yourself like that? So um, the book is called The X's in My Glass, How I Refined My Taste in Men and Alcohol. And it is, it is a memoir. And I got to that point in my life, in my 30s, where I finally figured things out. I made a lot of mistakes in my 20s um, with, with men and the type of men I dated. And um, <laughs> again, this life of dating and drinking and um, the follies that went along with that led me down a very remarkable career and road in my life to where I, like you said, I have this amazing job. I live my dreams. I'm madly in love with my husband. We've been together almost 12 years. And um, I didn't get there without making a lot of mistakes and um, also coming from a place that you would never expect a girl who grew up, you know, poor girl in the Midwest that from a small town would end up, you know, doing what I do and having, you know, being so into food and wine and traveling the world and all these things when, you know, I thought I just might be end up, you know, end up working at Walmart or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, that could have been my, that could have been my path easily. Right. 
or barefoot. So I just to write about that. I, yeah, I just wanted to write about that. You know, just the older I got, I thought, wow, how did I get here? Um, how did I get this life? And how, and also to hopefully show people that I make fun of myself in the book for sure. I'm not trying to, um, you know, sugarcoat things, but it's like, you know, just showing somebody how stupid, how stupid I was, but how um, every mistake kind of opened another door or mistake or breakup opened the door and I learned something. And in the end, when I finally figured it all out, um, I, you know, the end, I, I got the right guy and I got the dream job, but I wanted to share that with people because I think that there are some people out there that um, maybe you're on a certain path in life and think I can't start over because I've already gone this far down this road. And it's like, I kind of started my life over at 30. Um, and you can do that and you can, you can recover really, really quickly and really well. At least that's what happened with me. And also to show people that maybe you grow up a certain way and maybe you think this is the life that I'm supposed to have, but you're completely in control of your destiny. And if you want to change it, you, any, you know, anybody can do it. And it just got to be willing to take some risks and get out there and, um, be okay with making mistakes. And the book follows, you know, kind of my progression of what I was drinking and the type of people I was dating when I first moved to Florida at, at age 20 and follows me until 30 by the time I'm living in California and dating winemakers and, you know, drinking champagne and love it. That kind of thing. So there's, you know, there's frozen, co- there's days of shot, there's shots in there, and oh, there's Cuban, Cuban men in Miami. A lot of it takes place in Miami. And, and have the names yeah. of the winemakers changed, or are they? Sure. Yeah. There's only one winemaker and his name's changed. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. He's still, he's still out there. He's not too happy about the book, but uh, I, you know, nobody's going to recognize him. Right. <laughs> Did you say the chapters that are good are corresponding, obviously, to the different um, boyfriends, but also, you know, drinks and kind of my pet. Yeah. Tell me how your palate has changed because I know, oh my gosh, um, you know, it's funny when I first started, I was really into Chardonnay before I was even in the business. And then monster calves, the bigger, you know, most gripping. And then now I feel like, you know, my taste is totally different than all that. You know, I so appreciate rosé and white and sparkling wine in a way that I didn't, you know, in my 20s. So... How, how have you seen your taste change? I'm, I'm not, I think mine has been a little bit, um, I mean, a lot of my changing palate has been similar to people in their 20s, but I think how my palate changed within wine is maybe different than other people. So I went from, you know, when I was 20, drinking Keystone Light and Rolling Rock, and I didn't drink wine at all because it was like the early 1990s and wine wasn't a part of American culture yet, at least that I had experienced. And then I started drinking frozen cocktails, which were really big in Miami and, you know, going to Fat Tuesdays and drinking Pain in the Ass or Frozen White Russians and that stuff. And then um, I started, you know, doing peanut butter jelly shots. And there were those types of things because you're, you're in a downward spiral another direction, 21 years old, you know living alone in Miami. Thank but you did fireball back then, right? Uh, I never did. I've heard of them, but I don't think I did. I did a flaming Dr. Pepper a few times. I mean, is that the same thing? No, there's that, it's that cinnamon whiskey that I Oh, yeah. No. Oh. I see. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. That yeah, thank, thank God. Um, but then when I finally got into wine when I was like 22, which finally, I mean, that's, I feel fortunate that I got into wine when I was 22. It was through a wine education course. And so I was already getting exposed to barrel fermented shark. And that was one of the first wines that I tried. And I was like, wow, I really actually like this. It wasn't like taking you straight into sweet wines, which would be right. customary. Like people that would try them on their own would tend to go sweet. And so my first wines were Sauvignon Blancs and Chardonnays. And I like those. I never went 
the Riesling route or, I mean, I did do Rionidi. It was a little sweet wine period, like right before I got into wine class. So I drank Rionidi Doro. That plays a big part in the book. And that was kind of like my first like wine. But then from there, I quickly went into Sauvignon Blancs and Chardonnays. And living in Miami, it's a very heavily um, South American influence as far as the wine culture. And so there's a lot of Malbec, even back then before Malbec was cool, like a lot of Malbec in the shops, um, a lot of like Marquita Caceres, like their red red wines and Crianzas. And people were drinking that kind of stuff in the mid 90s. And so you could buy a great bottle of Malbec for under 10 bucks. And so I was drinking some dry rosé um but like right when i got out of college 90, 1997 i was drinking a lot of malbec um i don't drink it as much once it got cool i didn't drink it as much because i already kind of went through my malbec phase but um and then i got into sparkling and champagne and i don't think i've really ever changed since then i just i still i, I love champagne i had two we had two bottles last night well one champagne and then we had a california we had rotor estate which owned by a french house but um, we had bruno payard um their brute and then we moved on to Gloria Ferrer. And, you know, it's usually I have three, four bottles of champagne a week. Great. I love champagne. So. so you're going to, so in the book, you share your, your life's journey with men, but also with wine and how you've gotten to where you are today, right? Yes. Yes. I would say it really would appeal to, you know, if you love to drink wine um, <laughs> and uh, you're a woman, <laughs> you probably are going to relate to something here in the book. Uh, and and it's fun having wine as part of the plot too, I think, especially for us wine lovers out there. You know, I, I enjoyed reading, you know, when you said, oh, I had this Ponzi, you know, such and such wine and I and I love that winery. So it's kind of fun to, um, to follow along with that too. Ponzi Pinot Gris. Yeah. yeah. That that wine, I think I put in there just because I really like it. That's not what we drank. But um, the Elsa Malbec was absolutely a wine that I drank with that guy. Um, That was the thing we drank the most. But he he was into Pinot Grigio. So that's why I decided to throw the Ponzi into the story. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I've, I've had some interest from women that have book clubs, like, Oh, would you, you know, come and host something? Or even if we do it like an online chat like this, and I do need to, I could definitely put together like a a list for people like, okay, so here's the four wines I would recommend you, you order and we could do a little tasting um, online, which would be fun. But then there's some people that, you know, they don't want to drink. They may not want to drink a Rionidi Doro, which now it's called uh, Moscato Treviano or Treviano Moscato. It's changed its names over the years, but um, they just had a big rebranding relaunch of Rionidi, believe it or not, because I was invited to a uh, Redskins tailgater. Oh, cool. So they do these Rionidi Ritas. So it's a margarita with Rionidi Lambrusco in it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen that. Interesting. It's interesting. But all right. So if folks want to check out the book and or, you know, even get their book club to get everyone to order it so they can read it and, uh, and all that, where, what's the best way for them to find out more about the book, to buy the book? Well, if you want to see all the retailers in one spot, you can go to lisamatsonwine.com click on books, you'll see the X's in my glass right there and the list of retailers. So it's available on Amazon, um, both in paperback as well as ebook, um, Google, Google Play, Kobo, iBook, um, iTunes, iBooks, nice. and who else are the other ones? Um, there's another retailer, isn't there? Kobo is the other one. I think those are the main four, right? So 
but the whole the whole list is there. And then I also have a list of the um, brick and mortar bookstores that carry my book. Most of them are in places that are tied to the book. So there's one in Arizona. There's one in New Orleans. Oh, actually, New Orleans is coming soon. There's some in Kansas because that's where I'm from. There's some in California, and then there's uh, Miami, and so Dallas, right? Did you do? I did do an event in Dallas, but I don't have a book door there right now. I just kind of since I have a full time job, I try to do what I can on the side for the book promotion, but I don't have it. I've done events in Dallas, but I haven't lined up a retailer there. Great. So if they want to find out about any events you're doing, that's also going to be at lisamatsonwine.com? Yes, I have a blog listed there where I will list my events, um, but also Facebook is usually the best place is the X's in my glass, like my page. I put up when I'm doing new events there. If anybody wants to ask me, they can ask me on Facebook or there's a contact section on my on lisamatsonwine.com if they're interested in um, having me host a little chat. I might have to um, finish off this cab and make a list of my old boyfriends and what I was drinking at the time. <laughs> just for inspiration. But before we go real quick, one thing I wanted maybe you to touch on, I know Jordan Winery is known for their club, their wine club, and all of the amazing benefits you get if you're part of the club. So if somebody already knows they love your wine um, and they want to become part of the club, it's only within the last, you know, four or five years that in Maryland here, now we can do all these clubs. Yeah, yeah. to us. Yeah, um, very cool. And if you're a member of the club, I, I think you even maybe have the option to stay at the winery uh, at some point. So Correct. tell us Correct. a little bit about what, what it's like to be a Jordan Club member. So our program is called Jordan Estate Rewards. Uh, it's another program that John Jordan developed when he took over from his parents. So the idea with Jordan Estate Rewards is how John wants to share um, all aspects of Jordan Estate and our culinary hospitality with our most loyal fans and giving them access to things and perks that other people don't receive. So for every dollar that you spend at Jordan, you get points and you can save up those points to use toward um, experiences or discounts on lower prices on event tickets and, and things like that. So we have three different levels. We have um, silver members, gold, and platinum. So as soon as your um, expenses or your, um, excuse me, your purchases total $500, you become a silver member and you start to unlock those rewards. So um, overnight stays are for gold and platinum members, but in the off season, there's a different price level, different point level. So you can, if you come out in April, uh, platinum members are only paying $50 a night wow. uh, plus uh, points. And you get 3,500 points just for signing up to become a member. So buy a few bottles of wine and you're suddenly at a level to be um, silver and you could go, you'd already be able to qualify for harvest lunch. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I, I got to have one of those lunches. It's, mm -hmm. it's really fun. That's Yeah. Awesome. Harvest lunch is the most, it's like kind of our, um, the first experience that Jordan State Reward members can get. We want it to be very accessible, but also a fun um, food experience at the winery. So private hors d'oeuvres and um, the harvest lunch are available to silver members as well as um, special prices on other events. So we have certain events that you don't have to be a member per se. And if membership is free. It's automatic when you join our mailing list and we don't, sp we don't spam people. You get an email once a month. Nice. With a newsletter with recipes, wine offers, tickets on sale. So it's, it's a great thing to be um, on that list because you know first when our culinary event tickets go on sale and they usually sell out within a day or two days. So it's really important to get on the list so you know. But for those culinary events like our Sunset Supper at Vista Point in July or the Starlight Suppers um, here on the Chateau Lawns in August, when you get that email and you can sign up, people can pay full price or your member, you can use your points and get a preferred price that's less. 
So there's different price levels for the tickets, for the perks, for the members. Who doesn't want points? Everybody, and this is the thing, isn't it? If you're a traveler, we all know about the points, right? So I love that. And to get points for drinking a wine that you love, this is a perfect scenario. Everything you purchase from Jordan gets you points. Every dollar you spend. So it doesn't matter if you're booking a tour and tasting, you're booking a culinary event, um, or you're purchasing a bottle of wine or a bottle of olive oil, you get points. And we even have a couple times a year where we do double points. Double points just ended on Wednesday. Um, So people will wait and stock up on their double point days and get more points so they can get more reward. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Lisa Matson from Jordan Winery, thank you so much for spending all this time with us. Uh, love the wine, of course. Love the book. I hope people will check out your book and maybe have an inspiring book club or just a fun night at home drinking glass of wine and um, reading about your journey through men and wine. <laughs> um, maybe we can just have a little toast. And uh, I know you're off to New York to a Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm the um, wine and spirits. Cheers. Wine and spirits magazines. Top of the list events Thursday night um, tied to their annual restaurant poll. And Jordan was named the number one Cabernet. So I'll be there wine on Thursday night. Wednesday night, I'm hosting a book chat at this really awesome wine bar called Wine Disciples on West 29th. Um, it's sold out and meeting with some journalists and just doing business and it's beautiful weather in New York too. So I'm, I'm excited to go to the East Coast when the weather's nice. I'm usually there in January. Well, we're excited to have you. If you love wine uh, and you're a woman, you need to follow Lisa on her social media, Lisa Matson. Um, thank you so much for being on The Sipping Point. Cheers. Uh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Sipping Point, where we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I want to stay in touch with you, so I hope you'll find me on Twitter or Instagram at The Wine Coach, or just type in The Wine Coach in Facebook, and you're going to find me immediately. I'm always looking to connect with great wine lovers like you, and I want your ideas for future shows. You can find me on the web at thewinecoach.com, and I'm here to help you demystify wine one glass at a time. Cheers.